And as always, we'd like to thank our partners, Firebird Rising and the beautiful game network, BGN. You can go to their websites to see more of their content at firebirdrising.coreair, that's K-O-R-R-A-I-R.com, or at bgn.fm. And let's get to the show. Welcome to episode three of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here with Jeff Went and Matt Trainer, And we're here to talk about a huge, huge rising win this week. 2-1 over Los Dos. That was a great victory for Phoenix Rising to get, uh, get things finally going on, on the winning ways. Uh, uh, great support again. Uh, I was really surprised with, with the attendance figure as it was. I mean, I expected a little bit of a drop off but it didn't drop off as far as I expected it It was great support great game great great game to them yeah they definitely uh, just right from the start they just started out making chances uh, something we haven't seen in the past two weeks so it was a significant improvement and uh, I think we'll start talking about what changes were made to uh, to lead to those improvements and I think uh, the first thing we can probably start off talking about is the starting lineup I mean we, yeah we got what we wanted yeah, that we did that we, we finally got the changes we were looking to see uh, you got a four one three two uh, with with Vasquez Ramage Stewart and Wakasa in the back and Rigi Rigi finally made his presence Rigi yes. finally made his presence known in the mid, midfield you know Watson is as your holding mid uh, you had Sean Wright Phillips on the right hand side you had Rigi on the left with Rooney in the middle right where Rooney deserved where he needed to be we all know he's that number 10 playmaker, you know, and, and having Bravo up top. This time he had Chris Cortez with him, which I think was a big difference. It sure seemed like Cortez was getting into the right spots, creating better chances. And just in the first 30 minutes, he really forced the LA2 keeper into a couple of really tough saves. Kempen well, had to really be prepared. Well, well, even right off the bat, second minute of the game, um, you know, Sean Wright Phillips right off that corner kick. Just just missing the head of Cortez, just missing that you know the head of Cortez. But come back two minutes later, and who's who's the first person that makes a big difference in the game? Alessandro Rigi. Yeah, so let's start walking through the uh, play-by-play of the first half because there was much more action to talk about this week than the yeah, past couple. A lot more action. Uh, we we talked about the early Sean Wright Phillips corner that really made a difference. Uh, come into the fourth minute. Uh, uh, Phoenix Rising gets that counterplay. Rigi on the wing gets it to Bravo. Just missed that header right there at, at, at the far post, and and we thought we thought Rigi had it connected. Didn't quite get there, but uh, you know defender clears and, and and all is good. You know, but Rigi again in the ninth makes another move. Granted, the shot wasn't quite there, but still. We're on the attack again. He makes that move, and, and ninth minute, he, he tries an attempt and doesn't get there. Uh, go to the 12th. Vasquez. I, I thought Vasquez played a good game, you know, this week. I think he was a lot higher in his positioning. He's a lot higher up the field. He was able to do a lot more with the ball. Obviously, that cross to Bravo, right on his foot. Kempen comes up huge at the Huge that was save. a pretty incredible save. That was a big save for them early. And the thing is, I've actually been, I don't think Vasquez has been a humongous problem with our defense any of the first three weeks. Even week one, he had some nice crosses, some strong play up front. He definitely took a step back last week, but this was definitely his best performance of the season. Yes, it was, by far. Um, we go to the 20th. Bravo gets a ball in into the middle, into Rooney. Now it's blocked by the defenders but gets to Cortez. Cortez rips a shot. Kempen again with another great save. Kempen came up huge in the first half. As, as you'll hear Frank Yallop later on say, four or five goals could have easily been had in that first half. And, so, uh, you know, just if you're trying to uh, see what we're talking about on this pod, go to Twitter, check out the Firebird Rising 
Twitter feed. Uh, we had a guy, Chad Smith, doing a lot of great gifts in Lifetime and really showing all of these fantastic chances that Rising created in the first 30. So definitely go do that and you'll see how insane some of those saves Kempen was making. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about another interesting point in the first half. Did any of us expect Sean Wright Phillips to come anywhere near the post with that shot in the Whoa. 22nd? I mean, I didn't. I mean, I, yeah. I thought that ball was heading six, seven feet over the bar. Yeah. No, that was... But he went upper 90, clanged it off the crossbar. Just unbelievable shot. I mean, I was not expecting that from Sean Wright Phillips. He definitely turned back the clock on that shot, back to his days in the Premier League. Keeper was just stone-cold frozen staring at that ball because he had no chance absolute rocket and unfortunately it just hits dead off the center of the crossbar we but that it. all happens in the first 22 minutes mm -hmm. it all happens in the first 22 it's very we it's very jam-packed full of uh, chances and just a lot of good stuff we it saw. was and we don't and we don't see la's first chance until minute 27. la gets on the counter attack raul mendiola gets a ball Turns Wakasa around a little bit, um, gets a shot, comes across the face of the goal. Not a real threat, but at least it was a threat nonetheless that, that, that Cohen was able to cut the angle off and make sure that, that it wasn't headed towards the net. So. It bears mentioning, too, shortly afterwards, Jordan Stewart made a really nice play when LA2 was getting the ball into the middle. They had a runner in the middle, but Jordan Stewart came back to force the corner. Yep. Um, Cohen introduces himself in the game for the first time in the 30th minute. Uh, uh, Zubeta got a ball. Uh, Josh had to make a little bit of a move on it, but not too much. Fairly easy save for him. Um, get to the 37th, and Mendiola makes another move again on, on Wakasa, but Kempen makes an easy, easy save there. Uh, first time we saw Omar Bravo take a free kick this year mm. in the 39th. Not quite what we expected, yeah. but oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe next time. Maybe next time, yeah. So, and again, just to show how much there, how much action there was in that first half, we didn't even mention uh, Rooney put a shot on target that Kempen had to dive to his left to save in the 30th minute, and then just seconds later, Rigi Rigi making his presence felt on the left wing, just blazing past the Los Dos defenders. And Cortez getting in the right spot again. Unfortunately, the pass just a couple feet behind. Otherwise, Cortez is a tap-in. And that's the kind of impact that Rigi can make. He's made it as a sub before, and now he makes it right from the opening whistle today. You know, how many, how many times did we talk in the press box last night of, of how Alessandro Rigi's speed made a total difference to this game last night? I mean, we've seen, we've seen glimpses of it you know, in the first two games as he was a sub. But to see it in full action for the first time this week was was really important because I thought it stretched the field out quite a bit for, for Phoenix Rising, made it easier to get balls in to Omar Bravo, to a Chris Cortez, to a Luke Rooney, and made things a lot easier. Right. When the when the defense is spread thin, they're better passing lanes. Yes. Which I mean, that's why we looked so much better in the midfield in the attacking third, and we could complete passes yesterday because their defense was stretched thin, in large part because they had to respect Vasquez and Rigi on the left wing. Yeah. One of the last uh, things we'll talk about in the first half, uh, right right there towards the end, an interesting half volley by Luke Rooney off of a, off of a Bravo corner. Wow, what a, yeah. what, a, what a half volley. It just missed the net. So we go into the half, nothing, nothing. But I don't know about you guys, but I think we all felt a goal was coming. Oh, yeah. We all it felt was, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was near. And the goal did come early in the second half, but from a surprising source. <laughs> Unfortunately, the wrong source comes from Adonis Amaya, who uh, unfortunately a ball gets tangled up in the feet of, of Jordan Stewart. Just had kind of happened to be a wrong place, wrong yeah, time. Just kind of a bad, bad luck type of thing. So overall, I thought Jordan Stewart played really well. Had a lot of good, uh, a lot of good plays, and showed a lot of good hustle out there. You know, just kind of a bad break, and like you said, wrong place, wrong time. And but, even, even there, I mean, 
he stops the pass. He's in the right spot, and it just yeah. sometimes the ball gets tangled in your feet, and of course it just pops perfectly for Amaya. It's just what on earth can you? Set it up for him, yeah. And then, and then, and then at that point you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is happening again. This is just like the Toronto game where yeah. we were like had a lot of possession, and it just takes one second. And, uh, it felt even worse uh, this this time around just because of how well Phoenix played the first half. So it was just kind of. Uh, completely okay. against the run of play. Yeah. Yes, 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 completely against the run of play. But the good news is Phoenix Rising came back, and it came back quickly. 59th minute, Omar Bravo drops the ball into the box, gets fouled, penalty. And I don't think there's any argument about this penalty. Bravo is just outside the six. He kind of stops a little bit, and the defender reaches his arm out. When you are When you reach your arm out, in the box, it's really tough to say this was not a penalty. And so the ref points right to the spot. And, and who, we figured Omar was going to step up and take it. Nope. Gives it to Rooney. Gives it to Rooney. And Rooney decides to deposit it upper 90. Beats Kempen for a 1-1 game. Here's a, here's a little something about what Luke Rooney said as, uh, as Omar Bravo came by him uh, for the penalty kick. Uh, he just said, he's off well, my Spanish isn't great, I only know Cerveza. So, uh, <laughs> Cerveza and more, uh, whatever more is. Uh, now, um, no, to be honest, he was great. Obviously, I, I played the ball through to him, he got fouled, I grabbed the ball, uh, and he came up to me and just said, uh, I thought he was going to ask for it first, but then he just said, no, he said, uh, calm, in Spanish, I think that's Spanish for calm, chill. And he said, just no pressure, just put it away, obviously, you know you're a good player. And I think that was, uh, showed a lot of respect for him, you know, he's a player who's played at a very high level. And uh, he's obviously highly thought of here. I think they'll come to see him. But he was happy to, for me to take it. I, I took them. I took two last season. I think maybe one or two last season. And, you know, I waited my turn last season. Long term was on them, and I'm, I've got the confidence and belief to think that I can stick in the back of the net. And to be honest, I was just relieved that I put it in the net because uh, you know so much work's gone into everything here. Yeah, I mean, you look at what, what the what we we have produced, but what the uh, people at the club have produced. And uh, you know, the first night was bitterly disappointing, and hopefully tonight's gone away to make up for that. And Matt, you were you were down in the supporters section. You were on the south end where the penalty happened. So, tell us a little bit about what the reaction was like. What was the atmosphere like? And yeah, was, what did you notice about it was the moment? Awesome. Uh, so you know, I'll kind of take a step back and start. Uh, you know, so after Omar Bravo was fouled, um, you know, everybody was obviously upset about that and saw the ref made the right call. So we were all pretty excited. But another thing that kind of happened in between the penalty kick and the foul was uh, LA's goalkeeper walked up to the ball and drew a yellow card uh, for delay of the game, I'm assuming. Um, Jack Kempen, yep. Yep, so um, we were also pretty stoked about that, so that helped liven up the atmosphere, you know, and uh, yeah, Looney, uh, Luke Rooney just stepped up there and uh, just drilled that sucker in there. It was pretty awesome, and yeah, the crowd just was, it was intense. It was awesome, you know, it's, we've been waiting, you know, this was our third match, no goals yet. Preseason, it was a little bit of a drought too, you know, so it was, it was nice, you know. It was awesome feeling. And it, I don't know if you guys agree, but you know, from my perspective, as Rooney was stepping up there, this felt like the game was on the line because the way that we had been attacking, I felt like if we were going to score one, we would have a great chance to get another and just keep pressing, get some momentum finally. Whereas if he gets it stopped or misses it somehow, the pressure of the drought just continues to seep into players' minds and like, what on earth are we going to even? do to score a goal we even get a pk and we can't score so it felt like the whole thing was in the balance and just credit to rooney for blasting it up or 90 kempen guesses the right way but no one's gonna stop that shot no not at all not at all so we've got the goal now we're a little bit safer we're feeling a little bit safer although 70th minute got a little miscommunication between cohen and the defense Zubat gets that ball and, and tries to chip it, thinking, thinking he can keep get Cohen off of his line. But thankfully, the chip went again across the face of the net, which made you know the defense it made it work, work a little bit better. So the interesting move then came in the 75th when, uh, when Jason Johnson was brought on. We were thinking, what? You know, okay, Johnson's okay. But then he was brought on for Reggie, and we're thinking, why? Reggie's been awesome. Why, yeah. Why, why Reggie? Reggie's been playing so great, you know, these <coughs> these past couple of weeks. So you know, we were kind of concerned there. But then, 
comes the big play of the game. Yeah, and and actually the post game audio, you'll hear from Frank Yallop why he made that substitution. And it actually worked out really well because Johnson had some great holding plays on the left wing. Um, really a nice fresh set of legs for Rigi, who was starting to tire a little bit. This was the most minutes he had played in a game. And yeah, let's let's talk about that goal. So right off the bat, we're, you know, we're pressing offensively and Matt Watson gets a great throw in. Gets it to, gets it to, uh, gets it to Johnson who in turn gets it to Bravo. Bravo finds Rooney. Rooney can't miss from where he's at. No. Made it made it look nice, simple, easy. But I, but what I like but what I liked was the pressure of the play. Watson gets it in right away. He doesn't doesn't wait to try to find somebody. He's pushing the play as 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 play has been pushed to get up to that point. You know, Johnson gets that ball, finds finds Bravo right Right, dead center. That was a great. That was a great ball in. But for but for Bravo to have the presence of mind to not only see Rooney on his right, not to think of okay, I got to shoot first because I'm I'm under the pressure here. Of, I'm the big signing. I got to score. Yeah. Slots it right off to Rooney, who who has the open shot, and Kempen has no chance of that goal. And I gotta say too, I mean, great presence of mind for Bravo. You're absolutely right. But also great presence of mind from Rooney there because I've, I've been in that position a few games. It's so easy to just snatch at that chance one time and you're thinking, oh, there's some space. He really calmly takes a nice touch, leading him out to his right, gets to set his feet correctly and make sure he puts it on target because if he tries to one-time that, the degree of difficulty is much higher. So, I mean, you can tell he was feeling it last night because of how calm he was in such an important moment. So... Really great play by Rooney as well as Bravo. Just did a great team goal, really. Yeah, yeah. So it was nice to see. Uh, you could tell there was some chemistry there this this last night's match. Um, you know, between especially between Bravo and Rooney, not only with the assist that Bravo set up with Rooney, but also for giving uh, Rooney the penalty kick and telling him, "Hey, you got this. Be calm." You know, so it's, it's you know. Glad to see that kind of chemistry there, and then they continue to build on that and take these into the next three home games that we have and hopefully get some more points and move up further on the table. Any any thoughts on the supporters section reaction to that goal? How was that? Oh, yeah, just, it, again, it was just phenomenal. You know, uh, there's a lot of, uh, just a lot of cheering and yelling and screaming, jumping up and down. I mean, it's... Uh, you know, I've been to some pretty big soccer games in my days, and uh, that cr- crowd atmosphere was uh, matched that almost. You know, just it was exciting. So um, that's where we kind of knew we were going to get the win for the for the night. You know, if we could just hold on. You know, and take the last fifteen minutes home. I mean, really, no chances from LA Galaxy. Mm, there was a chance. There was a chance in added time. Um, one of the few defensive miscommunications of the game, it was really the second minute of added time. I don't even remember who it was with a shot, but it was one of the few times Cohen came out for the ball and he was a little bit off his line. And thankfully for Rising, that ball goes over the net, but the goal was there and it was there for the taking. So, yeah, but, for the, but for the most part, I thought... I thought you know, Rising did a great job seeing out the end of the match. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. The one thing you want to see is you always want to see play go down towards the corners to try to kill time. But when you have an opportunity to shot, I mean, you're not going to you're not going to pass that up. Johnson had his shot, 84th. You know, uh, Matt Hurlow had his shot. You know, right before right before full time came. You know, you're not going to yeah. You're not going to tell somebody not to take a shot. You know, especially when you've got the way they were playing that day yeah. uh, yesterday, just go for it. Yeah, anything, anything could have happened at that point. But I would say, uh, you know, one thing I will say is in the stoppage time that w- it seemed like the atmosphere was a little tense in the supporter section after you know uh, a near miss. Um, just much more, you know, everybody just was just hoping that they would could hold on and not give up a last minute goal because that would have just really well. Done. And that- well, and how many times have we seen in the yeah. past, you know, we've given up a goal five minutes before the end, three minutes before the end. Obviously, the supporters remember that oh, yeah. year on, year out. So, but And that's uh, why I think everyone's breath in the stadium was silent when just 
a pl- another play out of nowhere, and all of a sudden he has a chance on goal. I mean, check out the gif on Firebird Rising, and he thankfully skied it. So, thankfully, full-time, 2-1. Phoenix Rising over Los Dos. Gets the first win of the season. Here's Frank Yallop after the game on, on the boys flying around all night last night. Yeah, um, I thought first half, well, first 30 minutes was, you know, really a joy to watch. I mean, really, we could have scored four or five, to be honest. Um, just, you know, we just hit a bit of a wall in, in most of the games, mm-hmm. or the three games we've had. Um, but what I liked about tonight, we, we go a goal down, we come back and... and you know, deserve to be up, get a goal down, and come back and win. So, um, really proud of the guys. I thought they really, really stuck together well. Didn't get on each other's backs. Kept playing, and, and in the end, I think got what they deserved. So huge. You know, again, a great effort by the boys, and 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 needing a victory, needing one in the worst way. You didn't want to go down 0-3 to start the season, especially. So. Yeah, I think I think he summarized it very well. It could have easily been four or five goals, especially just even in the first half. Uh, the way they were playing, and then to go down a goal and then to come back and get the win, that that was it's what we needed. It's what the, the team needed, the players needed, the supporters. It was, yeah. I don't even know how you put into words how fantastic this game was, even if you're neutral just watching this game. I mean, after two games starting very slow, Rising comes out, guns a-blazing. I have to imagine Yelp stressed that there was a need to start well today, and, and it showed and then on the other side, you have, um, I'm blanking on the goalie's name again, but uh, Kempen. And he just comes out there and makes unbelievable saves. He's the man of the match for both teams in the first half, which is pretty remarkable considering I don't think anyone in the Rising played badly that first half. No, not So at all. just stellar performance. And you can't say enough about that resiliency to come back from the deficit and rally because the way this season started... And the way that game was going, it would have been so easy to just hang your heads down 0-1 on a goal out of nothing and say, you know what, this just isn't going to be our game. This might just not be our year. Los Dos is a really traditionally strong team in USL. Like, I don't know. And instead, they just keep it coming and get that huge, huge comeback. And we were talking last week about how the schedule opens up the next few weeks. Um, Very winnable home games. And this was going to be one of the toughest home games in the stand. And to get the three today, it's just amazing. Huge. Yeah, there's, uh, there's one stat, there are a couple stats that really kind of stood out to me that I kind of want to just uh, bring up to, you know, bring out is, uh, so we had uh, last night 19 shots and 10 of those were on target. Uh, just to kind of give you a, a reference of how the past two matches compared to this, uh, if you combine week one and week two, we had 21 shots. So in week three, we almost had the same amount of shots. And then on week one and two, we had a total of four shots on target, and we had ten last night. I mean, that's huge difference. Huge difference, night and day. I huge, mean, you just huge difference, and, and a lot of that I think is due to the fact that that we're pushing up higher. Alessandro Rigi definitely was a force to have the speed to open up the passing lanes, get it to Omar Bravo, who can get it to Chris Cortez, Sean Wright Phillips with his balls that got into the box, Victor Vasquez whose balls got into the box. Obviously, it was a lot different. Opened the field up big time. And I, I think some other stats that are important for telling the story of how this match went. We finally win possession. It was almost 50-50, but we, we had the slight edge there. First time all season we've had the edge in possession. Um, interceptions. 18 interceptions for Rising, only 6 for LA2. So that really shows that the guys were just going that extra mile, and we really wanted this game, and we were winning those 50-50 balls yesterday. Also, nine corners for Rising, only two for Los Dos. Uh, it just shows that we were in the right positions, creating great chances from start to finish. Well, I think, I think a lot of that has to do with they were seeing the play a lot better than what they've been seeing the first two weeks. Obviously, you bring up the 18 interceptions in this game. I mean, a lot of these balls were, were decent crosses by Los Dos, but they just... They weren't making the smart. The Los Dos wasn't making the smart decisions on on a lot of their passes, and you could see that. But you could also see Phoenix Rising was definitely thinking ahead. They were they were almost like they were one step ahead on every single play with them last night. Yep. So now we look at we look at the schedule ahead. Obviously, Phoenix Rising now has 15 days off to the next match. So 
that being concerned to Frank Yellup, here's what Frank had to say after the match about how he's going to try to keep the guys motivated, you know, to to get to that next game. Not before the next game. Yeah, stuff. We're going to play till Sunday, so it's like, you know. But you know what? They, they deserve a bit of a break. We, we, we pushed them hard this week because I felt our fitness wasn't there in Salt, uh, in, in Salt Lake. Um, it was at altitude. We got kind of run off the field. I do now know that they're a good side. They've just been Reno 5-3 and they're a good team. So, you know, it wasn't an easy game anyway. Um, but having said that, I think we can get a lot fitter and sharper. So this next two weeks, we're going to push them and, and get to a level so that we can, you know, have that, not just 30 minutes of great play, 60, 70 minutes, and we can maintain that type of football for, for as long as we can. So as you can see now, going go into that two-week break, you know, He's gonna keep the guy. He's gonna keep the guys sharp. He's gonna keep him keep pushing. You know, get the fitness levels up. Because that's obviously one of the other things that he talked about post game. Is a lot of these guys are still not totally at the fitness level that they really want to be. Alessandro Rigi is, is definitely one of the examples. Um, Rigi was brought in so late in the preseason that he hasn't had the opportunity to to get to his full fitness. He talked about how being down in this heat, uh, uh, his he, he's having to to work on his lung capacity. He's had, you know, struggles, you know, being in a colder climate, you know, helps his, helps his lung capacity a little bit better. Gets out here, he's having to expend a lot more of it, so he's trying to get, get worked up for that. And that's why he came off after 60 minutes, you know, or he came off after 75 last night, so. Right. And uh, do, do you guys want to get into our next few opponents on the homestand? Or? Yeah, we'll get into our next few opponents. We got, obviously, Swole Park Rangers will come in uh, on, the, on the 23rd. Which will be a Sunday night game. Um, they are coming in two and zero. They're two and zero at this point. Uh, they'll play another game before they get, you know, before they get here. Um, that'll be a that that will be a crucial match in this homestand. I think the other two games are very winnable games. I mean, you've got Reno on the on the sixth coming in, and Reno only has the one point on the season. Oklahoma City also only has one point on the season, and they've they've both played three matches. Both teams have had a draw and two defeats. So, I mean, these games are really for the taking, and we just need to go out there and take them. And like Frank, like Frank said before, you know, three out of four is not is definitely you know conceivable on this series, and that that would that would definitely go a long ways toward in this season towards towards getting them into a playoff spot. Yeah, that'd give them a nice confidence boost. Uh, <coughs> get up, get as many wins at home as possible before you hit the road, you know. So, and uh, as you said, those especially the last two are definitely winnable. Um, Swope Park gonna be some challenges, you know. But if they played the way they played last night, I think it's gonna be a really good game. Yeah. Yeah. And and why not? Why not uh, go for it against Swope Park because we're gonna have 15 days off, and it is gonna be a home match for us. And they might be undefeated on the season, trying to cope with the pressure of maintaining that perfect record so you just got to take it one time one game at a time and we already showed that we could exceed expectations last night so just go in with an open mind yeah and i'm going to ask a question here and i think i know the answer and i think all the listeners probably would also uh, have an answer um, for this you know the next upcoming matches do you foresee any changes in the lineup or do you just leave it as is with Rigi and Cortez and uh, Rooney. Oh, I think you. I think you have to leave it the way it is yeah. right now. I mean, unless some unforeseen injury would would come up in the next fifteen days in training that would force the hand. I don't think you can go away from this lineup right now. I think this is. I think this has been the optimal lineup that 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 Frank has been looking for. You know, we finally have the speed. You know, because we ne- we didn't see the speed in the first two games. We finally saw the speed last night. I don't see how you can go away from that game right yeah, now. I agree. I think Jason Johnson coming on as a sub was much better, too, with his fresh legs late in the game, uh, pursuing a second goal as opposed to starting out, where he had to do a lot more passing in, in the past. The only thing that's up for debate, maybe, is A.J. Gray versus Wakasa in the starting 11 at right back. But Wakasa was pretty respectable last week, and if he can put in shifts like that, I don't see why he can't stay in the starting 11. Totally, I totally agree with you there. Especially after Gray just gave up a stonewall penalty last week. So. so. Should we move into uh, some, some Western Conference highlights? Uh, sure. For the week? Uh, yeah, I'll start off, um, you know, last week we played, uh, or two weeks ago we played Real Monarchs, Salt Lake City, and uh, yesterday they played Reno, 1868, and 
Wow, a lot of goals being scored there. It was 5-3, uh, uh, Real Monarchs walked away with the win. Um, so I'll just go through here and, you know, in the 14th minute, Chase Minter had a goal, 26th minute, Sebastian Valaquez, and in uh, 34th minute, Chandler Hoffman. Um, and then finally, Reno in the 39th minute gets a, a goal to get back into the game a little bit with uh, McKenzie uh, Preetham. Um, but Real Monarchs responded back to that four minutes later in the 43rd minute, Kyle Kiring, Kiringa with a goal. Um, and then starting into the second half, uh, kind of slow, you know, after the shootout they had in the first half. Um, but Reno in the 84th minute and the 87th minute, Dane Kelly has two goals. Um, so brings it back to four to three. So it's getting to be a game right towards the end. And then uh, Jose Hernandez from Real Monarchs in stoppage time puts one in there and seals the game up for him, five to three. And the interesting thing on the Dane Kelly goals is Dane Kelly becomes the first person in USL history to score 50 goals in the league. So that's, that is a huge accomplishment in itself, even though it's in, in a losing effort. So. Congratulations to Dane Kelly on, on all of his efforts that he's put forth. And then, so. you know, the other thing, too, is seeing the score. Does this does make you guys feel better about our loss to Real Monarchs, you know? Is a little bit. A little bit I better, think a right? little bit better. Yeah. I mean, I, I think. Still would have no, liked to have seen a, uh, a win or a draw there, but. Uh, but, but Monarchs being 3-0 and now, I mean, yeah. you, you've got to consider that they're one of the top teams in, in the conference right now. I mean, you had mentioned that they have brought some t- some players down from the first team in recent weeks, too. Maybe that's contributing. But, you know, they have, in fairness, they've played Timbers, too. They played us, and they played Reno. None of those teams are currently in the playoff picture. So if there are any Monarch fan listeners out there, take it with a small grain of salt. But still, you got to play the teams that are on your schedule. They've played those teams, and they've won those games. So... They're banking those points, and you got to take them seriously until they prove otherwise. One of the other games this week that we had talked about last week thought was going to be an interesting contest was uh, Sacramento and Tulsa. Little did we know that Tulsa was going to be going from undefeated to 1-1 one and one just like that because of the use of an ineligible player. So that kind of took a little bit of the luster off of the game. But Sacramento being Sacramento... Took, took advantage and took charge. Former Arizona United slash Phoenix Rising star Tyler Blackwood scores a goal and, and gives Sacramento a 2-1 to victory and puts them back on top of the table again, uh, 3-0 and at 9 points. So that was, a, that was a big win for Sacramento to get over Tulsa. Definitely. And that, that game was at Tulsa, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's a... Unfortunate result for them, but it seems like they're at least giving Sacramento a strong challenge. So they're going to be, they're already showing that they're leaps and bounds better than last year. So that's another game worth uh, keeping our eyes on this week was Portland Timbers 2 hosting Orange County. Now, Portland Timbers were in desperate need of a win. They came in winless on the season. Orange County comes in 1 and 1. And you could tell right from the start, both these teams really wanted it. In the first 10 minutes, Orange County draws a penalty kick, and that was slotted home by Jerry Van Uick. Then it doesn't take long for Timbers 2 to respond. Just 10 minutes later, 19th minute, Augustine Williams comes back. And then, you know, as the first half progresses and going early into the second half, a lot of people were thinking Timbers 2 would come with the breakthrough. They had over 60% possession in this game. But I've seen Orange County a couple times before. They're perfectly fine sitting back with their compact back four with Charlie Leon as their keeper. And Orange County gets the breakthrough in the 58th minute on an absolute golazo from Victor Pineda. He sets his feet, blasts it from almost 30 yards out into the upper 90. And as it said on the Orange County Twitter account, this really was a Sports Center top 10 worthy goal. I made sure to show Jeff and Matt this goal. Um, if you have not had the chance to see that, just go to the USL Twitter or the Orange County SC Twitter because that's a goal worth seeing and it's probably a goal of the week. And then from that point, Orange County hangs on to get their second away win in three matches. So great start from them and they're looking like a playoff side. And obviously they will be opening a new park when they get back home here in the next week. Uh, you know, they've been, they've been waiting for that. So, so that, you know, you know, 
we obviously know of all the challenges that have always been in the past with having to start on the road. Obviously, Orange County is making huge, huge strides this year with, with having that start. And, and another thing worth noting, too, about Orange County, a lot of off-season transfers they brought in, maybe it's because they're going to be aligned with LAFC. And one of those guys, Victor Pineda, has NASL experience. Last year, he was with Fort Lauderdale. He's the one that provides the spark for the win. And um, maybe that's going to propel them to the next level. It'll be very interesting to see their next two games. Uh, both are going to be derbies with uh, Los Dos. The first one being in Carson. The second one being the home opener for their new stadium. So that's definitely one of the Western Conference teams I'm going to be keeping my eyes on in the next two to three weeks. Let's take a quick run down the scoreboard for this week's games. Uh, starting with starting Tuesday, uh, Orlando City B got uh, got on the board finally, beating uh, Toronto three to one. Big upset Wednesday with Harrisburg beating the defending champion New York Red Bulls two one nothing. Uh, we talked about the Thursday game with uh, Real Monarchs and Reno. Uh, Friday we had uh, Toronto and Rochester play to a zero zero tie. San Antonio and Colorado Springs played to a one one tie. Uh, Chris Tierpak there with a goal for San Antonio. I know he's going to be a big force to watch out for all this season. And listeners, if you want to see another contender for a goal of the week, one that might challenge Pineda's, go check out the San Antonio Twitter page because that equalizer was something to behold. Yes, it was. Uh, scores from Saturday's games, obviously the, the 2-1 Phoenix Rising result over Los Dos. Uh, Louisville defeated Richmond 1-0. Whitecaps 2 with a big win over Seattle Sounders to uh, 3-0. Pittsburgh to Charleston 1. Uh, Orlando City comes back to play a second game this week. Ties Charlotte 1-1. Tampa Bay goes to 3-0 in the Eastern Conference with a 1-0 clean win over over Ottawa. Two, um, uh, two former NASL teams there meeting. What do you say about Tampa at this point? Just another week, another win. And I believe that's three shutouts in three games. Uh, no no uh, loss of skill from them at all, transitioning from NASL to USL. And it's another home game. They get another crowd of over 5,000. That is going to be a monster team to deal with. Yeah. Uh, Rio Grande Valley gets a one nothing win over Oklahoma City. We talked about Sacramento's 2-1 result over Tulsa. St. Louis... Came back and defeated New York Red Bulls, too. New York Red Bulls on a, on a little bit of a slide here to start uh, 2017 as the defending champions. Uh, St. Louis takes a 3-2 win there. I believe there was a pretty late winner in that game, too, for St. Louis. Pretty crazy week for those St. Louis people, especially yes. their podcasters. Yes, and then uh, we talked about the Orange County-Portland uh, Timbers result. So let's get to the standings in the West. Uh, Sacramento and, and uh, Real Monarchs t- are at the top, both with 3-0 records at 9 points. Uh, San Antonio slots in at 3rd at 2-0-1 for 7 points. Swope and uh, Orange County occupy the 4th and 5th spots. Uh, Swope with 2-0 record and 6 points. Orange County 2-1 with 6 points. Then you get to Colorado Springs at 1-0-2 with 5 points. Vancouver at 1-1-1 with 4 points. And currently holding the eighth spot would be Rio Grande Valley with a one and two record and three points. Obviously, all these teams now in this three point range are, are, are looking at goal differential as the biggest difference. So, sitting in ninth is LA Galaxy at three points, sitting 10th is Phoenix Rising at three points, 11th Seattle Sounders two at three points, and 12th is Tulsa at one and two with three points. And you get to the bottom three Oklahoma City at 0 2 and 1 with a point. Reno at 0-2-1 with a point, and Portland at 0-4 with zero points. So that is your standings for the Western Conference. I mean, I'll give my brief thoughts on this. It's kind of like what you see in the NBA with the Western Conference where you have like five or six teams that are really a cut above. But then the scramble for those last two, three playoff spots is completely wide open. And once you make the playoffs, you know, this is kind of like hockey or NFL or something, anything can happen. Last year, Orange County was the eighth seed. They take down Sacramento, who's number one, and then they they almost make it to the uh, conference finals last year as an eighth seed. Yeah. So, you know, all you got to do is get in, and 
you know, as rising fans, we're right there. We're one goal back on goal differential from that spot. And that's why these next few games are a great opportunity because we're playing two teams below us in our next three. Let's get into a little bit of discussion of some uh, some things going on with the team and things going on around uh, around the MLS uh, application process for expansion. Uh, you know, we'll talk about the changes we saw last night with the parking situation. I think the things that Phoenix Rising did uh, were very positive. I mean, adding the ticket fee uh, to the single game tickets to accommodate the parking situation, I think, was the right move to start. Obviously, it seemed like flow in was a lot better last night. Flow out was a lot better last night. So, I mean, to, to commend the efforts of, of the front office staff of really looking at a situation and working on it and trying to come up with the best possible solution, I think they did a good yeah, job. Yeah, I think it was an impressive response by the ownership group. Um, you know, adding the $1.50 fee to the tickets for parking instead of having the exchange in the parking lot is... A great idea, and I I would like to see that extended on to more sporting events in the valley and all around. Actually, I mean, it just makes more sense um, to streamline things. But yeah, just overall a great response. Um, you know, the parking situation was a lot better. I would, you know, after the match, I was, you know, on McKellops within five minutes. You know, from the parking spot to McKellops, that was a big improvement. Um, even inside of the uh, the stadium, you know, there were some minor changes which kind of seemed to flow a lot better. They Better signage. Better signage, a lot better signage. Um, you know, things were a little more clear on where to be. Uh, they moved some of the, you know, the stands around, the drink stands, moved it closer to the supporter section. Um, pretty important, you know. <laughs> I think they get a lot of business from the supporter section. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I noticed that more tables out there. They put some mats on the Tape, you know, underneath the table, so you're not sitting in a dirt parking lot. Kind of just a lot of little little details I saw, and uh, um, impressive, you know, quick changes, and uh, they're they're really listening to the supporters, the fans, yeah, which is key. It is very key. Uh, love to say we have a DDA Drogba update, but we don't. Uh, we're still in the proverbial holding pattern as far as to whether he will sign with Phoenix Rising or not. Obviously, there were more reports out there this week, people trying to say one way or the other. Yeah, there were a few sightings of uh, Drogba jerseys in the, in the stadium, in the stands last night, but no, no Drogba on the bench or on the field. So, so we, 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 will, we will wait another week and see where that goes. Um, the other interesting note this week is obviously on the uh, MLS expansion front. Uh, St. Louis. Vote, big vote held in St. Louis this week to try to get funding for a stadium. Unfortunately, that that funding proposal went down by four percent. So, unfortunately, it looks like that will kind of take St. Louis out of the running for an MLS expansion franchise. So. Well, I guess the uh, the thing for debate here is: is it unfortunate? Because from my experience, it seems like asking the public to help out these ownership groups that have money, that can raise money from other private sources, by asking the public to do that, it just doesn't seem like the way to go. And you're seeing more and more resistance to that concept in more and more cities. Uh, the only, I mean, Vegas is an exception with the NFL coming there, but you look at the most successful new stadium proposals like San Diego with their MLS proposal, they're going to do exclusively private funding. Phoenix, the reason that we are considered so strongly in the MLS chase is because we're also using exclusively private funding. And I think more and more you're seeing more and more public support for the private funding route as opposed to the public route. And, you know, St. Louis isn't even a especially liberal area, and yet they still vote to say, no, we don't want our taxpayer money going to this. Well, you see, you see the taxpayer-funded stadium issue happening right here in your own backyard here with, with teams that are looking for stadiums right now. You've got the Suns as, asking for a new stadium. You've got the D-backs asking for a new stadium. You've got the Coyotes asking for a new stadium. All of them are trying to, you know, the Coyotes are trying to go through the legislature to try to get funding instead of trying to find it their own way. They're trying to go to the city of Mesa to try to find funding. You look at the D-backs, they're trying to maybe possibly go to, to Scottsdale to look to, to get funding. I mean, people nowadays are realizing, 
you know, and, and you take what happened, what's happened out in Glendale with, with, uh, with the Westgate facility, I mean, the people of Glendale still aren't happy about how that whole process went down, and, and there's still $160 million, you know, in the hole right now, so. Yeah, another um, thing I read about the St. Louis deal was that the county or the area where it was going to be taxed, where the citizens would pay the taxes, isn't where the stadium would have been, too. So that was another factor that, you know, persuaded the vote to go that way is, why should we pay for the stadium that's not going to be near us and it's going to benefit another group, another city or, you know, region of that town? Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, you know, my personal opinion on that is we shouldn't be paying taxes for millionaires to get new toys to make more millions. Uh, it should be privately funded, and that's um, one of the main reasons that I really like what Phoenix Rising is doing. It's all their MLS bid, and, and it was San Diego as well. It's just, it's all privately funded. You take that equation out of it, you know, take that part out of the equation, and you get a lot of support. And and I think the, uh, just across all sports, the most popular franchises tend to be franchises that whose ownership groups do fund everything privately. Locals tend to, you know, get on board with that more because, wow, this owner cares enough about our community to bring this in on his own dime. And we don't have to foot the bill. We're footing enough of our own bills by getting the season tickets, by doing all that. Let's have our taxpayer money at least go to local resources. So it it seems like that's the direction that things are going, but uh, I don't want to speak for everyone on this issue. And I would definitely recommend listening to the latest St. Louis soccer podcast episode because they went very much into depth on this. I haven't had the chance to listen to it yet. I want to, but. All right, so. It's time for our uh, takeaways of the week. Uh, Dominic? Putting me on the spot. Um, no, I think, I think the biggest thing here uh, is this was the first night where it really felt like this whole Phoenix Rising vision came to life for me. Uh, and I think for Bernie and I think for all the players on the pitch too, um, throughout preseason, even in the home opener, you know, the on-field cohesion wasn't quite there. There wasn't quite the right passing link-ups, not quite the right final touches in the attacking third. Even the whole stadium situation, there were parking hiccups, there were chant hiccups. There's just, it, it all wasn't quite set. It wasn't quite ready to go. And you saw that again on the road last week in, in uh, Salt Lake City, where we were looking pretty listless. But this week, it all came together. In the stands, you had great support. There were many more people in their seats at the opening whistle this week, even though the overall attendance went slightly down. Um, The players played with a lot more cohesion and unity. There was a really tangible, tactical plan last night. And, you know, to see it finally turn into actual goals and three points, and for those goals to be in front of the supporters section, it was just, those are moments that you live for as a sports fan, and I can't remember it's been over a year since I had that much fun at a sporting event. And those, I think that's what um, Bernie, the whole ownership group, all the season-long supporters were waiting for a night like last night where it all finally clicked into place. Yeah, and, um, you know, my takeaway from this, I mentioned earlier, is just the chemistry we saw. You know, I, I mentioned specifically between Bravo and Rooney, but overall as a team, um, yeah, the just chemistry was there. The they were in the right places at the right time. They um, put were putting on a lot of pressure uh, against Los Dos. Um, you know, we had a rough first couple games. Um, you know, Yalp coach was trying different lineups, trying different players, and you know we we trusted the process, let him kind of figure out what he wants to set up, and I think we found a pretty good core of, you know, starting lineup going forward for, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, but yeah, just overall, just, um, yeah, the pressure, the chemistry, you know, just, it all looked really good. It's promising. And, and I'm looking forward to the next three matches. Um, it would be nice if we can walk away with another nine points from those, you know, so we'll see um, how it goes, but um, looking pretty promising, I believe. I think you look at the, uh, you look at the first game and it, everybody was nervous. Ownership was nervous. Staff was nervous. Players were nervous. You're opening a brand new facility. The pressure's on. So I, I think we all I think we all noticed that right away. 
And I think we all saw a complete difference last night. We saw, we saw the cohesion. We saw the passing. We saw the great play. We saw the, the fans come out. I mean, every sport you always expected a fairly decent-sized drop-off in a second game. Personally, I was expecting to see 4,000, 4,500 people there last night, figuring that was going to be a decent number you know, coming out, coming out of first, second game. But to see 6,330 fans there last night, definitely a testament to not only the ownership, not only to the players, but to the fans themselves for spreading the word. And that's been, that has been the one thing that has always been missing the last three years with this team, is the word has never been spread. And boy, is it spreading like wildfire right now. The product on the the product on the field last night speaks for itself. I think he can only go up from here, and, you know. And I think I think we can we can only expect great things not only from the ownership group but from the players as well as as we move on through this season. It was all around. It was just beautiful. Um, you compare our fan environment last night to what you see on the YouTube live streams from a lot of other. USL teams, and ours is among the top fan atmospheres, I would say. Um, the players even mentioned last night just being really grateful for the fans. They went over to the supporters' sections to applaud with them after the win. Um, you know, be a part of it and try to spread the word, because if, if we can keep playing like that, and if the uh, front office and everything can provide a game day atmosphere like that, it was very impressive. So that will uh, bring to a close this episode of the Rising as One podcast. Uh, as always, we thank you, the listeners, for, for joining us. Uh, over 350 listens in the first two weeks. We thank you very much. We can't do this podcast without you guys and your support. Please go to Twitter at Rising Pod. Visit our Facebook page at Rising Podcast. Go to our Instagram at Rising Pod. And if you have any questions about the show in general, please email us at risingpod at gmail.com. It bears mentioning, too, next week, there will still be an episode, even though the team has an off week. We are going to be doing a couple interviews, and we'll have an in-depth match preview for the Swope Park match on the 23rd. So even though we don't have a match, please be ready to uh, listen to us next Sunday evening or later than that if that suits your fancy, but we are still going to be on air next week. So... Thank you very much for your your time, and uh, we'll be talking to you down the road. Sounds good.